you would, open your Bibles to Psalms 103. And I will be talking to you this morning on the subject of staying thankful. Now, you might be saying, Pastor Chris, that is so stereotypical. It's the week after Thanksgiving. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I think the problem is, one of the problems is, is that in church, and I'm going to repent to you right now, in church, a lot of times we have seasonal sermons, but then we only talk about certain things in certain seasons. When the truth is, is that there is such a power in staying thankful. There is such strength that comes from it. There's such freedom that comes from it. But sadly, we usually only hear about it the second and third or third and fourth Sundays of the year. And so I'm going to make a point that that's not going to be the case. But it doesn't mean I shouldn't preach it to you this morning. So I hope your Thanksgiving was great. Mine was fantastic. But I think as we all can agree that our culture is thankful like three days a year. Right? Our culture is thankful on Thursday, Thanksgiving. They're probably thankful Christmas Eve, and we're thankful on Christmas Day. For the most part, we have this culture in a society that is driven by greed, is driven by keeping up with everybody. It's like, what's next? What's happening? Social media just made that worse. And so there's a lot of things going on that are not necessarily the most grateful and thankful. If you didn't think that, it is amazing to me how people can be from lovey-dovey, turkey-eating people on Thursday and be like... I don't know, mob hitmen in the stores on Friday. I went on Friday. We were going to dinner with some friends in Slidell, and so I was meeting Caitlin. She went to Covington. I was meeting her at the Fremo Shopping Center. And I got out, and I went into a bookstore. Everybody say bookstore. When you say that word, is there anything in that word that should be remotely hostile? No. You should not think of bookstore and hostility, but apparently... Somebody wanted a certain book that was advertised to be at this bookstore and said book was not at said bookstore. And I, I, I mean, I'm standing there and I'm thinking to myself, see, I, I learned a trick Black Friday shopping. I got to put he, like earbuds in so I don't hear anything. Like I just want to do my business and get out. So I'm listening to like music and trying to stay in the spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, not the Christmas spirit because that was dangerous. I wanted to be in the Holy Spirit. And so I, I'm standing and I, I can hear this, this lady, y'all, there's this grandmother. I'm talking like, not my kid's grandmother, like, my, like somebody in her 80s. And she is letting this poor lady have it. But it was so quiet. It was still so sweet. And I'm thinking to myself, you had to be loving all your grandkids yesterday and being thankful and grateful and everything yesterday, and then 12 hours later, 24 hours later, we're going to rip everybody's head off because we have a problem in our society when we think everything is about us. We have a problem, and one of the best ways to think that things aren't about you is to remember that it's not by being thankful because how many of you know that my life would not be what it is if it wasn't for what he's done for me? Amen? Let's read some of Psalm 103. I'm going to give you three points this morning. I'm not going to speak as long because we have something special doing at the end of service today. But I encourage you to read the whole chapter. I would read you the whole chapter. I'm going to say the time. But I would encourage you to read this entire chapter. But I want to start in verse 11. Now there's going to be three things, three ways to stay thankful. The first one is to be thankful for what he's done. Say thankful for what he's done. Let's read verse 11 and 12. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. 
when we strip everything away, when we take away all the church things, all the Christian things, all of that, when we strip all of that away, you and I, all the titles, all the things we do, we strip all of it away, all of us stand on equal ground before the cross. And it's when I stand at equal ground before the cross, I can remember that it's only because of what he did for me that anything else in my life is worth anything. But a lot of times we simply get too spiritual or we grow beyond this point and we forget the necessity of remembering how powerful the cross is. But it says here that as far as the east is from the west, I don't know if you knew that, but those two things never meet. East and west never meet. So as far as the east is from the west, he has scattered his transgressions and he said, Isaiah, let's go to Isaiah real quick, Isaiah 43, 25. <coughs> I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. A commentary once said, what a load to move, my sin, what a load to move, yet it's moved so far that the distance is immeasurable. Sin was paid for 2,000 years ago, but it's until I repented of my sin, I didn't see the benefit of that in my life. But... He doesn't see, if, if you look at verse 11, he says he has removed our transgressions. He no longer sees them after he forgives us. Now why? We go to Isaiah 43. Look what it says. I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions. For whose sake? For his. Not for yours. For his. See, he understands that when he forgives sin, you're forgiven. But it says here that I'm not going to remember your sins for my own sake. Why is that? Thank you for asking, Pastor Chris. This is the reason why. How many of you have ever told your kids to clean their room? Right? How many of you went back an hour later and said, hey, can you please clean your room? How many of you went back a day later and said, hey, your room still isn't clean? How many of you went back a month later and like, it's worse? Right? Or, for example, last night, we're trying to get the kids in bed. It is late. We had friends over. It is late. It's time to go to bed. We need to get dressed for bed. This implies you need to take off the clothes you've had on all day and put on pajamas, right? That's what you do. So we have this polite conversation. Girls, go upstairs, change, get into your pajamas, wipe off a little bit. We're going to take a bath tomorrow. Go ahead and get in the tub. We do bathe our children. I promise it, it happens. Go. Caitlin is so mad at nursery and she don't know why because it makes it sound like we don't bathe our kids. But make sure you go upstairs and get it done. Well, of course, if you know Addison, Addison cartwheels more than she walks. So she goes upstairs, and all I hear is poof, poof, poof. And I'm like, well, one's not listening. And then I'm like, where's Bethany? I'm like, Bethany hasn't moved. She's still on the sofa. Like, she didn't hear any of the instructions. She didn't follow any of the orders. She didn't go upstairs at all. I'm like, BB, can you please go upstairs and get undressed? Okay. And she gets up and starts walking upstairs. And then we're still hearing poof. She's like 15 cartwheels in. And Caitlin's like, you know she hasn't changed yet. I'm like, who knows? Maybe she's like learned how to change clothes mid-cartwheel. That'd be pretty impressive. So we go up the stairs. What has happened? We ain't changed nothing. We have instead got the gymnastics mat out and we are cartwheeling across the room. Why? Because children don't always do what they're told to do. Don't you find it funny that God calls us children? Because we don't always do the things we're supposed to do. And I can guarantee you, God looks down from heaven sometimes and he wonders why we're cartwheeling. 
And if I, if our sin looks as ridiculous to God as my attempt of a cartwheel would to you, it would probably frustrate him even more. But God says that he doesn't remember our sins for his sake. Why? Because I'm going to be honest with you. When I went upstairs last night, I wasn't like, Addy, can you please stop cartwheeling and like get in your bed? That is not what happened. It was a bit more aggressive, if I could just put it that way. It involved the sound, that intimidating sound of the belt loops. I didn't actually use the belt, but I just wanted to scare him a little bit, right? I haven't got that down yet, that skill. I haven't. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? This is a little tangent from the sermon. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? When dad would pull, I got to tell the story. You're here. I have to tell the story. Brother Manuel's here. I have to tell the story. A couple of years ago, I went to a conference, and I'm staying in a room with Manuel, Pastor Manuel, and two other friends of ours, all of whom are in their mid-30s to 40s, right? We're all in that same under 35 to 40 age range. And we're changing clothes and getting dressed to go to the shower, to, to the service that night, where Brother Manuel was going to change his pants, and he decided to take his belt off before he got to the bathroom. Y'all, I have never heard more perfect technique of taking a belt off. I'm talking, look, pop, 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 pop. Also, I'm not even kidding you. If I'm lying, I'm lying. I'm, telling, I'm, on, I'm on a pulpit. All three of us went, ah! We all flinched. It was perfect. Last night, we laughed for like 15 minutes, right? Last night, I tried to do that. It was just like, no skill whatsoever. I need lessons. Somebody teach me how to be intimidating with the belt take off. I take the, what is she doing? She's cartwheeling. Daddy, I'm just having fun. I'm like, I know, but I need you to get dressed because we have things to do. And you don't listen. Why are you not listening? I told you five times. But God says he doesn't remember our sins for his sake because when he comes to deal with a sin issue, it's always the first time. Right? So he didn't tell you ten times to stop doing what you're doing. He forgot the first nine. For his own sake. Why? Because I know and you know that if he did remember all the times he told you to stop doing what you're doing, he'd be taking his belt off. I don't know what his belt is. Like what is the, the equivalent of God's belt? But I don't want to experience it if you know what I'm saying. But he doesn't remember our sin so that every time he deals with you and I, it's the first time. That's why when I repent of the same thing for the 50th time, God extends grace and he extends mercy. And it, it amazes me how no matter how many times I've fallen over the same thing, his grace is always just as rich this time as it was the first time. It's because for him it always is. I need to be thankful for that. Right? If there's never any reason to be thankful, that's it right there. That I'm going to mess up, I'm going to fall, I'm going to drop the ball. But guess what? He doesn't remember all the screw-ups. It's incredible. Because my parenting brain, that doesn't compute. It doesn't. Right? It just adds up. The 50 times you said clean the room, it adds up. It never adds up for him. His grace is that powerful. And he says, it's for my sake, for his sake, that he does this. So the first reason we have to remember to be thankful is for what he's done. If that's not enough of a reason to praise and thank him, I'm not sure if I can help you though. The second one is to be thankful for what he's doing. Now let's go to Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. 
who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The word bless in this chapter means to kneel, to bow, and to praise. So when David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, he's, he's telling his soul to respond. He's telling his soul to do something. He's telling his soul to be thankful, to, to give some type of response to the goodness of God. It is, it is not acceptable, according to this word, bless, that our response is to show up and stand still. The response needs to be filled with emotion. It needs to be filled with praise and gratitude and thanksgiving because of what he's done, but also what he's doing. Why is David telling his soul to bless the Lord? Because he's telling his soul to bless the Lord because most of the time we don't feel like blessing the Lord. We don't feel like it. Y'all, I'm telling you, if, if I could snap my fingers and have feelings not being an issue, it would be amazing what we could get done. But the problem is, is they're not going to go away. We have to learn to deal with them. We have to learn to appropriately handle them correctly and in a healthy way. But at the same time, we can't let them dictate our lives. And so what David is saying is he's telling his soul, bless the Lord. You may not feel like it right now. You may not want to do it right now. You may have a really great reason why you could be excused from blessing the Lord right now, but that is irrelevant. Bless the Lord. Sometimes you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, self, whatever your name is, fill in the blank, bless the Lord. Because if, if you can't bless him for what he's done, stop pretending to be a Christian. If we can't bless him for what, if you don't believe truly what he did on the cross applies to you, and if that isn't enough of a reason to thank him and praise him for the rest of your life and for the rest of eternity, you don't know Jesus. But it's, be thankful for what he's doing. He's in the middle of doing something. God doesn't stop working after he saves you. God just ramps it up after he saves you. So many people think that the moment they get saved, that's it. They could sit in a chair, prop their feet up, and wait till heaven. That is a really, really boring experience that I don't want to be a part of. No, the moment that he saves me is the moment he really begins to work because now I'm working with him. I'm letting him have access. Before, he was working around me and kind of trying to get my attention and get me towards him. Once I've given my life to him, now we're on the same team. Now he begins to work through me. And there's something amazing about when God begins to work through you. It's incredible when he begins to work through you. Let's see some of the other things. I, I got to make sure that my soul and my emotions don't drown out the fact that I'm thankful. I can't i got to sit here for a minute because I want to make sure you understand it. You will not have the power of thanksgiving in your life if you don't actually say you're thankful and act thankful and make, and make actions and declarations of thanksgiving. It's not going to happen. Faith without works, without action is dead. If I'm not actively thanking God, if I'm not actively involved in what he's doing, then I'm missing out on the power that's in it. But let's see what else is going on here. It's not just, it's kind of like that TV salesman David turns into right here. You know the guy that used to, what was his name? Billy Blank, I think was his name. He used to go, oh wait, there's more. Billy Mays. He just, oh wait, there's more. And then it would be like the dumbest thing, like here's a rapid glue applier. 
At like 3 o'clock in the morning, oh wait, there's more, does something else. Oh wait, there's more. That's what he's doing, right? Let's watch, read it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Here it is. And there's more. Who forgives all your iniquities. That's your guilt. He removes your, have you ever felt guilty? Well, I just feel so bad for all the stuff. He removes your iniquity. Who heals all of your diseases. All. There's not a kind of there's not a sorta, there's not a might be, it's an all who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction. How many of you were headed for destruction? Some of you may not think you were, but you were, I promise. Headed for destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things. We sh in Louisiana, we should praise him for that extra because it just is what it is. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. How many of you feel like age is getting the better of you? Right? You gotta raise your hand. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. But you might feel like age is getting the better of you. But no, no, no. When I bless the Lord, oh, my soul and all that is within me, my youth is renewed like the eagles. I don't need to be subject to the way that I'm feeling because God is doing something active right here and right now. He's looking to do something incredible in your life as we speak. But if I'm not blessing the Lord, if I'm not involved in it, I'm going to miss out. So first we have to be thankful for what he's done and you'll hear me say that till the moment that I stop breathing and I go be with the Lord because the moment that we stop thanking him for the cross, the moment we forget all of the stuff, all of the things that matter. The second thing is be thankful for what he's doing because he's doing something in your life right now. How many of you can say with that, with, with, I mean, you know what, with a show of hands, how many of you can say that God has done something in your life in the last six months? He has done something in you. See, this is the bottom line, right? My mom's been serving the Lord for years. Right? And she just raised her hand and said, God did something in her in the last six months. You know why? Because God doesn't stop working in you the longer you're serving Jesus. In, in fact, it's the exact opposite. The longer you serve the Lord, the more he seems to get done in you. So be thankful for what he's doing. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't notice or see or not experiencing something that he's doing in your life, are you letting him? Are you letting him? Because the third reason that we should be able to stay thankful, this is how we stay thankful. The third reason, which happens to be my favorite one, is we need to stay thankful for what he's about to do. So stay thankful for what he is about to do. For what he is about to do. First Corinthians says that I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the hearts of man the things that God has in store for those who love him. Paul says later that we can't, that half hasn't even entered. Half of what he wants to do hasn't even entered into our minds. I don't know about you. But I read scriptures like Ephesians 3.20, and I said this last week, I believe. Him, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could hope or imagine, according to his power that works within us. When I think of that verse, y'all, I got a pretty serious imagination. Okay? Like, filling the Superdome and preaching to it is pretty serious of an imagination, right? I can see it. You know why I can see it? Because I've seen people do it. Billy Graham did it. I follow some, I got some friends on Facebook, just got back from a trip to Africa. They went to Kenya. Had over 110,000 people coming to services, three, four times a day. 
See, my imagination's big. But I know that according to the word, that he can do immeasurably more than I can think or imagine. So depending on where your, your, the borders of your imagination are, he's just going to surpass those. The borders of my imagination are nations. The borders of my imagination are empty wheelchairs and, and reversed cancer diagnosis. And, and heroin addicts walking in the door and leaving the addiction at the altar. Right? That's the God I serve. That's my, where my faith is. So I'm thankful for what he's going to do. Why? Because the word says he's going to do immeasurably more than I can think or imagine that according to his power that's at work in us. So as long as I'm making sure that I'm in a position to have his power work through me, he's going to be using that same power to supersede all the things that I can think or imagine according to his power at work with us. I think a lot of times, as I said last week, with the taste and see message, a lot of times we've come to the place where Christianity has become a logical exercise rather than an experience. Where I'm experiencing the power of God on a day-to-day, day-to-day life. Y'all, I, I got a text message this morning from Pastor West Courtney. A lot of you guys don't know Pastor West. I haven't spoken to Pastor West since August. Just haven't had a chance to talk to him. He sent me one of the most on-time text messages I could have ever received in my life this morning. He didn't have a clue. He don't know nothing. He's getting ready to preach. And he sends me 10 words. And it completely changed my outlook. Completely changed my countenance. Why? Because he's connected to the power of God and he's letting the power of God use him. It's that simple. And there's no reason you can't be doing that. And there's a reason you shouldn't be doing it right now. But instead we stand and we, we expect, we come to church or we get involved and we listen to a podcast, listen to YouTube and we're watching and we're taking in content. We're taking in content. But the problem is, is we're never allowing the content to become something that forces us to act and change and bring it to somebody. Because people are dying out there. They're going to hell out there. They've got, they're going to go to hell, but they're living in hell on earth right now. And we're walking around with the life-giving resurrection power of Jesus Christ and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and I and it will quicken our mortal body and we're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus and no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper. We can quote all these scriptures but we can't find a single one of them. We go to Home Depot. No, I'm excited about what he's doing. I'm excited about it. And see, you may not... You may not necessarily, if I walked up to you and say, what's God going to do in you next year? If you don't have an answer, time to get one. I'm serious. If you can't look me in the face, this is what God's going to do next year. I'm going to have my own life group by the end of the year. I'm going to have my own life group, and nobody in my group is going to be in church right now. They're all going to be new people. Right? By the end of next year, I'm going to preach. By the end of next year, I'm going to go on a missions trip. By the end of next year, I'm going to tithe 20% just to challenge God, right? I'm going to go as big and as far as I possibly can. I'm going to just see what God's going to do. Why? Because he's looking to blow our minds. We just set the bar too low that when it happens, our minds aren't blown. No, I'm thankful. I'm excited about what he's doing. You know I'm excited about? I'm excited about opening a daycare. I'm excited about heaven. We'll be able to fit, if I understand right, we'll be able to have 26 children here. I'm excited about impacting 26 families. 
I don't know what those babies are going through. I don't know what their home life is like, but I know one thing. When they come here Monday through Friday, they're going to be saturated in the presence of God. They're going to be loved on by people who love Jesus. And when their parents drop them off, they're going to encounter heaven. I'm excited about the fact that at some point we're going to be starting a building project to build a child care building on the side of this building. You know why? Because we're so fruitful here and we're multiplying so much that we can barely fit in the kids' church. I love it because I know that once that building gets built, then it's able to produce revenue that we can begin to go affect nations. See, I'm excited about these things. I'm excited about the fact that your husband is getting saved. I'm excited by the fact that your children are coming back to the kingdom where they belong. I'm excited by the fact that your neighbor and your best friend and your old dealer are going to get full of the Holy Ghost next year. Why? Because why not? Why not? I'm excited about what he's going to do. The problem is, is I imagine that I'm probably more excited about the things he's going to do in your life than you are. Why? Because I know that I'm praying and I'm seeking God on what he wants to do through you. What he wants to do through us as a ministry. I'm doing that. Are you? Because I can promise you, when you begin to realize what God's about to do, you can start thanking him for it ahead of time. You can start saying, oh, this is about to be good. I don't even know what's going on yet. We got, a, we got a, a conference, January 21st through the 23rd. I had somebody coming in, I was excited about it, and they canceled. I have no idea what the conference is even going to be about, but I can't wait for it. You know why? Because I know the power of God is going to be here and you're going to get touched and I'm going to get touched. You know why? Because wherever Jesus is, he just touches people and changes people and heals people. Why? Because I'm thankful that he's using me and he's doing something in me. And he says, you know what? Out of all the people on the planet, I'm going to use Chris. Of all the people on the planet, I'm going to use Melanie. I want you to take your phone out. This isn't even my notes. Take your phone out or take a sheet of paper out right now. This is called hands-on sermons. I want you to, right now, I, I'm, I'm serious, I want the first three things that come to your mind. I want the first three things that you're expecting God to do in you next year, put them on that phone, in your life. Just boom, 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 whatever they are, real quick. Whatever they are, I'm going to give you a second. Nobody liked that teacher that gave the assignment and kept on talking. Remember, wherever you set the bar, he's going past it. So if your bar is set low, he's only going past it. Don't think that hard. It's all right. Kelly's struggling up here. She, oh, she's done? Okay. So I see some smoke billowing. Y'all thinking real hard. I love it. Now I want you to do one more thing. If you're done, I want you to think of one thing, right, you're thankful for that you're expecting God to do through us as a church. Just one. Now, that was your in-class assignment. Your homework is to post all of that on social media today with the hashtag staying thankful. 
You know why? Because I get to look at what you're expecting and believe with you. You get to look at what I'm expecting and believe with me. And now we can remember, because we're going to get the memory a year from now, right? When you post it, you're going to get the, the time hop, whatever it's called, this day last year, right? Everybody did it for gas prices. Let's see if we can do it for Jesus. And next, next November, let's put the picture up and see what God did. Facebook's going to hold us accountable, believe it or not. It's finally going to do something good. I'm excited about what God is doing. You see, back to verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. You've got to understand, if you're not blessing him with all that is within you, you're missing out. Because I'm going to tell you, it takes all that is within you to really give him what he's due. 